Hey, y'all, I got a question for you. What's a piece of gear that you maybe have unintentionally overlooked in your rig throughout the years? Well, for me, it's always been guitar cables. I figured ah, it just goes from the guitar to the amplifier or the guitar to the pedal board to the amp. And if one breaks, whatever, I'll just go buy another one. No big deal. Thanks to the fine folks at Runway Audio, though, I have finally seen the light. Runway Audio is based in Nashville, Tennessee, which is awesome for me because that's right down the road. But it's awesome for you as well because Runway has the best cable on the market. And what makes it the best, you ask? Well, it has the lowest capacitance of any cable on the market right now at 20 picofarads per foot. And pretty much all that capacitance is is the ability to store an electrical charge. The lower the capacitance is, the less tone that it sucks from your cable from your guitar on the way to your amplifier. So if you're in the market for anything cable-related, whether it's instrument cables, patch cables, XLR cables, speaker cables, power cables, you name it, Runway Audio has got you covered. And if you go down to my link tree, click the link for Runway Audio. Any purchasing you will do, I will get a little bit of a kickback from that, which is always appreciated. So check out all the awesome stuff that Runway Audio is doing and pick something up to get the best tone possible. This episode today is brought to you by Stringjoy Guitar Strings, the finest strings on the market. For me, it has been the Orbiters that have been my absolute go-to ever since they've come out, and that's their coated electric strings. But if the coated thing's not your thing, totally get it. The signatures in the Broadways in their electric line, top-notch quality. For acoustic guitars, they have their Naturals and their Brights, along with the Foxwoods, which are their coated Phosphor Bonds. For all you bassists out there too, they have the signatures and the rangers. Full disclosure, the link down below is my affiliate link. So if you would like to check out Stringjoy, click that link down below. Not only will you be getting the finest guitar strings on the market, but you'll also be helping out this podcast, which I greatly appreciate. So head on over to Stringjoy today. I'm not even close to the tip of the iceberg of all the awesome things that Stringjoy does. So click the link down below and check them out for yourself. Welcome back to Man the Helm Podcast. Before we get to today's episode with this awesome guest, let's go ahead and knock out some of this housekeeping real quick. If you want to check me out on any social media platform, you can check me out on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Pretty much if you search Man the Helm, you're probably going to find me there. Uh, but if you don't want to do all that, you can just scroll right on down to the show notes along with all the guest information will be my link tree as well. You can click that link tree. It'll take you to wherever you need to go, whether that's my Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help support this show, uh, along with all affiliate links. But with that whole thing, I totally get it. Your hard-earned money is your hard-earned money. I don't expect anything from you guys as far as monetization or anything like that. I just am so happy that you are spending your time listening to this podcast because really, that's what it's all about. The money stuff isn't what it, it, that's not that big of a deal. You guys taking time out of your day to listen to me, talk to people, sometimes ignorantly that I don't know what I'm talking about, is the best thing ever. So enough of all this. Let's go ahead and get to today's show with Mike Purcell from Monkey Riot Pedals. <laughs> Welcome back to Man the Helm Podcast. I'm your host, Jake. Today, I am sitting down with Mike Purcell from Monkey Riot Pedals. What's up, man? Uh, not much. Thanks for, for having me on here. Uh, I've been looking forward to it. Oh, yeah, dude. It was a blast. I'm, I'm really happy you, you know, agreed to come on, man. I've been uh, perusing through Instagram on you a lot and definitely on your website, too, man. And it's really, really cool. And, and that's just kind of like the tip of the iceberg as far as like what you do with monkey riots and yourself. You know what I mean? Um, yep. But on the whole, I really don't know like hardly anything about you. So, so maybe we can kind of like get a little bit of backstory and, and kind of figure out how you kind of got into this world you're in now and what you're doing today. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was going to say one other thing. It, it was funny. I've been listening to your podcast for a while and <clears throat> I've gotten to the point where I'm trying to grow the, um, the pedal into things. And I was like, I need to reach out to this guy and see if I could be on this show. 
and uh, it's just been busy. So I kept, oh, yeah. you know, and I tend to put things off and put things off, and and uh, so it was nice that you you reached out to me, and uh, uh, it was just a hopefully one of those things that was meant to happen, you know. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, so let's see about me. I mean, how you want me to go back to like the beginning or? You can go back as far as you'd like, or as short as you'd like. It, it's it's up to you. Whatever whatever you're comfortable with, really. All right, I, I'll kind of do the encapsulated version. Um, when I was like 14, I had started skateboarding, and um, that got me into hardcore music, and that led me to getting a guitar. You know, because because uh, those were songs that I could I could probably play. Yep. And um, you know, I ended up getting in in bands, uh, I played in bands from the time I was about 16 to 19 or 20, you know, just kind of different styles of music. It was the hardcore thing early on. And it kind of led into some of that more melodic alt rock, like REM. I got really into them. Um, Husker Du was another band that just absolutely blew me away. Um, so, uh, I think I knew early on that um, that I wanted to go into music, and uh, I ended up uh, going to Belmont University for the whatever the music tech program is. There. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I, I went there for uh, four years, and I got an internship at a studio, and um, I was doing what I wanted to do, and I dropped out of Belmont. So I'm a college dropout uh, that is is working in the music industry. There's probably a lot of us, right? Um, so I ended up at this studio in Franklin called the castle and it was kind of like one of the upper tier studios. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We would have, you know, major label stuff come through and, and what happened is I interned there for about a year and they hired me on as a staff assistant in, I think, 1995. And, uh, man, for like five, six years, all I did was work on records all the time as an assistant engineer. And uh, I got to do a lot of a lot of cool things. And it was great because I would work with kind of these these A-team engineers and I was able to learn from them and kind of, you know, steal these ideas and, and hopefully implement them in some way for myself. And uh, it was just a, a great experience. Um, I learned a lot about the uh, technical side of the, uh, you know, of recording because it was something I was really, really interested in. Mm-hmm. Um so around that time, probably about 99 or 2000, I bought a Pro Tools rig and uh, I was doing stuff at home for a while. And then an opportunity came up at a local studio called County Q, uh, local in Nashville. <clears throat> and uh, so they had a room available. I moved my stuff in there and I've been there ever since 2000. I kind of started out doing some mastering stuff. I was kind of low man on the totem pole, so I would, I would get what other people didn't really want, and I really, really, really wanted to be just a mix engineer. Um, so, you know, I kind of hung on to that dream and, and slowly worked my way up. And, um, you know, it, it was it was the demo side of the music industry in Nashville, and uh, country music is a little bit different from other things, and that songwriters write songs, um, and then artists will pick those songs and perform these other writers' songs. And it was a huge part of the Nashville economy. I mean, mm-hmm. just, you know, there were publishing companies that would hire writers that paid them, and then they would pay to let these guys come in the studio and record. And I mean, it was enormous. Um, we were doing, we were tracking at least two sessions a day, five days a week. And in each one of those sessions, they cut five songs. Oh, wow. So, yeah, you're looking at like 50 tracks a week. And, um, the way it worked is, you know, they would they would cut in the morning um, the tracks. They would go in and overdub the vocals that afternoon, and then I would mix the five the next day. And it was just this, you know, it's one of those things where if you do it enough, you'll probably get good at it. Sure. And, uh, you know, it, it was uh, it was nuts. I learned a lot. You know, there were, there were a couple of years. I think I kind of looked at how many songs I mixed, and it was like a 1,000 songs a year. And... Uh, you know, that can get kind of old and, and grinding. Um, but it was cool. You know, it, money was great. Uh, I was doing what I wanted to do, uh, kind of living that that dream. Um, 
And then about 2010, I kind of went through some personal stuff. I ended up getting divorced and was really burned out on the music industry. So I kind of uh, just took a year off, basically, and, you know, was seeing if there were other things I was interested in doing. And uh, turns out that the only thing I'm good at is, is music stuff, you know. There you um, go. So I ended up back over at Q, and in that, that time period where, where I left the studio and been away from it, the industry in Nashville totally changed. Um, mm-hmm. the, the income wasn't where it was. Uh, all these publishing companies closed, which was our main source of business. And we had to kind of, you know, figure out a way to either adapt or die. Yep. And uh, so, you know, we kind of, we started doing a lot of custom projects, which are just, you know, people coming in from out of town for four or five days wanting to make a record. Um, I started working with a lot of local kind of rock bands that I was really into, um, doing some production work on that and just engineering, mixing. Um, And then in that time period, I ended up... um, mixing a few films so you know where they they bring in the movie and we you know mixing all the foley and the dialogue and all that and that kind of uh created an interest in me in, in doing video work yeah um so i kind of i dove into that and and did a little film production company and did a little documentary and uh you know it's just it was something i really enjoyed doing you know it turns out that the documentary you know just kind of you know, did what a lot of things do where you, you get a thousand DVDs pressed and you got 800 in your, in your garage, you know, it happens with music too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I spent about a year kind of focusing on that I, the whole time through this, I was still doing engineering. I was mixing, um, overdubbing, all that kind of stuff. And that's still my main breadwinner to this day. Um, but, uh, so I, I got out of that documentary thing and then we kind of hit a slow period in probably about uh, 2016, something like that. And I had this idea to bring um, bands into the studio and cut live videos on them, but have like really, really high quality audio, um, you know, cause there's a lot of live videos and they may mm-hmm. not necessarily sound that great. Um, so I probably did 10 or 12 of those with different local bands. Um, you know, it was just kind of a passion project, bringing these people in, that I liked and getting to work with them. That actually led to a, to a lot of work. Um, you know, and, and the other idea behind that was for me to have something to promote, to say, Hey, I can do this for, for you guys. Sure. You know, it's just kind of a, uh, another way to create a new revenue stream. Um, so I did that for a while and, uh, you know, I, I kind of, I, I do a lot of different things. It's whatever, interest me you know it's just i just sit down and figure out how to do it and if i like it i'll keep on doing it you know mm-hmm. um so that i kind of got tired of doing that video thing it, it was a lot of work and um then it was basically around the time COVID hit and you know I'm, I'm an independent audio engineer in nashville where my primary studio is closed um you know it, it was a it was a tough period um Thankfully, kind of on and off. I also teach a little bit at, at a community college. Okay. So, you know, a part-time gig. Yeah, so I had a tiny bit of income coming from that. But, man, it, it was it was a lean 18 months, Yep. you know. Um, and I had a lot of time on my hands. And that's when I, I kind of got into the pedal stuff, you know. So I think it was uh, Christmas 2020. I got a kit, and I built it, and it just, I loved it. I got bit with it and I was buying another kit and another kit. It's like, this is going to get real expensive. I need to figure out a way to, to where I can do more of this for less money. And that kind of led to me, um, learning about, you know, strip board, Vera board, um, and wanting to know how the circuits worked. So, um, you know, I got into, to a lot of the, um, uh, you know, electrical engineering side of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's very light in pedals, but being able to understand, what does what and, and what happens when you put these things together in a, in a certain order. And it just, it really appeals to me, you know, so it's something about that, um, that, uh, that I just like. And, you know, the funny thing too, is I've always made music and, you know, for licensing and things like that. And I think I've noticed with, with music and even with working with bands and then releasing music is that it seems like it's gotten really devalued, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like it, it, 
people don't appreciate the time and work that was put into it, and they, they think it should be free. But it's funny, you get to the pedals where I actually have this physical product in my hand, and nobody has a problem, you know, dropping 200 bucks on it. And it's just, um, you know, so it's become yep. another creative out outlet for me um, that, that kind of fills that my need to create, you know. I like making stuff. Working with my hands is great. I love it because I don't have to use a computer most of the time. There you, you know? go. Yep. Because the, the last 20 years I've been sitting in front of a monitor just forever. So it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's something I enjoy and it kind of, you know, I've just been doing it a lot and it, it kind of snowballed and people started buying pedals, you know. I was giving them away at first because I had so many sitting around. I, you know, I, I didn't have anywhere to put them, so I'd, I'd give some away, and then somebody would hit me up to build one and, and do those kinds of things. And uh, just recently um, got into PCB design and, and getting it to where I can scale it a little bit and, and make more sure. in less time, basically. Yeah. Because it, it, it is a, a time-consuming process the way I do it right now. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that's usually how it rolls in the beginning, especially with, you know, doing it all by yourself. But I think one of the biggest things that like hearing that backstory, the the side of things when I when I've talked to people that actually build, you know, effects pedals and doing stuff like that, um, you already had like a pretty good knowledge base of such a wide variety of what you wanted to get out of that pedal just from your past experience, you know, working in studios and stuff like that. So it's like the, the electrical engineering side part, I'm sure was a little bit of a learning curve, but I mean, really that's at least from my perspective would be the easier part because everything's on paper. You can find out what everything does. Now what something sounds like and what sounds good is extremely subjective from person to person, but you having that wealth of knowledge over those years you spent, you know, in the studio, engineering and mixing, you, 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 you've probably had countless, you know, different samples of, of what would sound good, so to speak. You know what I mean? So I think that probably really, really helps you in the engineering side of these pedals. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, kind of my, my slam on coming to this, you know, there's, there are so many people building pedals, yeah. you know, so many different small businesses, but that, that I could bring, my engineering big background into, you know, I, I know what I think sounds good and um, I, I can make something that sounds like that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I feel like this didn't say anything bad about people, but a lot of times they don't know what sounds good, sure. you know? And they'll, they'll read a, a magazine article and it, it'll say this thing. And it's just, I feel like it's one of those things that just comes over time with experimenting. And there's not to say there aren't people that just inherently know, you know, what they like and it's a great sound. Absolutely. It's just kind of something I've run into over the years. Um, and, and just on the electrical engineering, I use that term very loosely. Sure. It's yeah. like nothing deep at all, you know, enough to, uh, to be able to build a filter on a pedal. Sure. You know, we're, we're, um, we're talking I'm, about I'm, toys I'm, for guitar no players. Schooled. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and and I don't I don't mean to like discredit anybody that is building out there, but but I do completely agree with you what you're saying as far as the electrical engineering side. Yeah, like I said earlier, we're building you're building toys for guitar players and bass players, and it's supposed to it's meant to be a fun tool to utilize for different textures and sounds and feelings you can get. So I understand completely, but. Um, as you were kind of coming up, I mean, not only with what you were doing with the engineering and mixing and mastering side of things, but, you know, being able to work with a bunch of people. And I can't imagine the amount of rigs that you've seen through your career, too. You know, the plethora of gear that's come uh, in yeah. to the studios that yeah. you've worked at, you know. Yeah, definitely. I was uh, I did like six months with Skinner and and they had some some pretty crazy stuff like these huge live amps. I'll tell the story real quick. You're good. Yeah, um, let's hear it. So, we we had gone in the studio and um, they had this um, kind of LA producer guy that, that came out. This was in Nashville at the Castle, and uh, you know he was used to making these rock records in LA and and the big thing out there at the time was they would rent like all these different amps to have them like, Oh, this Marshall was on this record. We're going to rent that, you know, and, and we'll get that sound or I, apparently that was the thinking. 
So uh, it was a long project. We had like two or three months booked for overdub. So they had flown out all these amplifiers. And, you know, we were trying all this stuff out. You know, it sounded cool. And right around that time, Amp Farm on Pro Tools came out. Mm. And uh, I showed it to the producer and we listened to it. And he's like, send all that stuff back. And that was like the guitar sounds on, on the whole record. Oh, was, wow. You know, a little $400 plug-in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, there were some, you know, we, we ran it through some outboard gear and everything, um, you know, but but the basis of that sound was was like a beta version of Amp Farm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you can listen to that record today and it it, it sounds like Skinner, you know? Right. It, it's it's more the player than, than the amp. For but, sure. Uh, For sure. Yeah, you know. Have, funny stuff like that absolutely and i mean that's that's the thing with um I, i've kind of thought about it here in the past especially ever since covid hit really because you know everybody has i mean you can buy a simple hundred dollar interface and a couple of plugins and you know you can technically make a record at your house if you wanted to these days you know what i mean and now i i'm i'm oversimplifying that and over generalizing that but i'm i'm just saying from a someone wanting to get into its perspective. That's all you quote unquote need, right? Have you noticed a shift like that since um, like really now that we're kind of on this up and up out of the COVID sort of thing about people kind of not needing to utilize more of that studio space or is that just my perspective of it? Is it still kind of coming back now of people really getting in and trying to get it done again in the studio? You know, I, I think it's been like that for, um, with people doing stuff at home for a long time now. Okay. You know, uh, it, it probably started once we got into that first um, DigiDesign, had a little single rack space unit. Okay, yeah. A couple mic pre's on it, you got Pro Tools, yeah. And and you could record, then they had the M-Box and all those kinds of things. And I think when that stuff first came out, I think... Um, a lot of people jumped on it. I, I feel like, you know, we had less overdubs at the studio and those kinds of things. Um, but what happened is, uh, you know, they, they would bring the stuff back or try and mix it themselves, and they just couldn't, yeah. couldn't do it. You know, they had the gear, but they didn't have the experience mm-hmm. to record it in a way where it would and mix it in a way where it would translate. Um, but you know, it, it's funny. I do most of my work at home these days. I just have sure. a small rig at home. Um, so, you know, your, your, your point saying that, yeah, you can do it. You definitely can. But I I think, um, you know, you, you need to have that experience to, if you're going for like a good sonic fidelity on a record for, you know, accepted standard, then you need that experience. But that's not to say that, you know, the guys out there just doing something new and fresh and different that, that doesn't match our, our standard, you know, of like, what's a good accepted sound. Uh, you know, those are the people that are innovating and, um, you know, kind of driving the new music trends. So I, th- I think there's valid sides. And I, I think it probably uh, genre of music has, has something to do with it, too. Sure. You know, there are certain types that you would, you know, need to get in this studio. Um, but that's even changing. You know, you've got plugins that get great drum room sounds these days. Um Mm-hmm. To answer your question, I think it's been like that for a while, and it kind of ebbs and flows. Um, you know, I haven't seen a big change one way or the other in the last couple of years, at least in the stuff I'm working on. Gotcha. Go. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm full disclosure, and everybody that's listened to the podcast knows I'm, I'm I'm still pretty ignorant about a lot of these things. You know, so I'm 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 not really. I'm not scared to admit that ignorance either. You know, like if I don't know, I'm not going to know. Um, cause I, I've never really been in that space before, man. And you having, you know, decades of knowledge is, is a wealth of knowledge that I'm trying to, to get from it, man. So that's the thing. If you guys are listening, don't ever be afraid to ask questions. Even if you think it's a stupid question, cause it's not a stupid question. No such thing as stupid questions, only stupid answers. You know what I mean? But, um, I've kind of thought about, um, going down that like pedal rabbit hole, right? Because I also enjoy like working with my hands, doing stuff like that. I just don't even know where to start. You know what I mean? I don't even have like a, a baseline, you know? So you kind of already had that 
you know, experience, you know, in the, the quote unquote industry for quite a while. But for somebody like myself, what would be some, some advice you could maybe give them if well, not even for the pedal side, just for, just for getting into that sort of world, whether it's the recording, engineering, mixing, mastering side of things, or just kind of, you know, maybe starting your own thing with pedals or music in general. I know it's a broad, yeah, I know it's a broad thing, question. Not, um, I think it's a, it's a great question. Um, you know, the, the thing I'd say is uh, be willing to try stuff and make mistakes because that's how you're going to learn. Uh, uh, probably a lot better than if you built everything right every time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the other thing, like you, you said, don't be afraid to ask questions. I'd say by and large, everybody in the community, whether it's pedal building or, or studios or, or that kind of thing is willing to be open and, and share knowledge. There are some people that aren't, but I think they're probably in the minority. Um, the other thing I'd say is like, say yeah. yes to everything that comes along. Do not, do not turn something down. Don't overthink it. You know, don't, don't sit there for like three weeks, you know, trying to decide if you're going to put in this application for whatever, you know, just, just go ahead and do it. And, um, you know, if you're if you're passionate about it, um, I, I think you will succeed in some way. You know, I mean, at the very least, you're going to be happy what you're doing. Right. You know, because it, it's something you enjoy. You know, there's that saying of like, you know, if you love what you do, um, you'll never work a day in your life. You know, and uh, oh yeah, I'm I'm busy all the time, but I don't I don't feel like it's work. You know, it, it's yeah. all these things I like to do and just. Uh, uh, awesome byproduct of all that is that I get paid to do it. Yeah. You know, and uh, it was it was something where I was very single minded in what I wanted, and I did uh, everything I could could to achieve that. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just willing to go to to any length to um, to do that. You know, and it, it was just I was really passionate about it. I knew I didn't want to do anything else. I had had bad jobs before. You know, and and. Uh, I just knew that I wanted something to change and, and I worked hard to make that happen. You know, and I, it's not that I just worked hard. I had some good breaks, you know, I, I had some relationships with people that, that facilitated, um, you know, helping me along. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so, you know, I think that's part of it too. Um, you know, building relationships and, uh, cause you know, it, at this point for me, as far as the music and video end of things goes, it's, it's all word of mouth. It's all these relationships that I've built with people that, you know, my name gets passed around, you know, I do a good job for somebody, they'll tell their buddy about it. And, uh, you know, the other thing I guess is kind of ties into all of it is, uh, don't have an ego yep. about any of this stuff. You know, it, it's, um, like you said, we're making toys for guitar players and, and bass players, you know, it, it's like somebody else is going to have a different opinion. They're as entitled to that opinion yeah. as you are, and it doesn't affect you one way or the other, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, it's, it's really hard. Uh, I mean, I, I found it really difficult early on mixing and some guy would come in and just like tear your mix apart, you know, and, 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 uh, rip you a new one and, you know, right. I, I had to remember that, that it's this guy's song. It's his vision. You know, I'm I'm just the hired guy here to get from point A to point B. And that's the, the length of my job. And his not liking the song has nothing to do with me personally. Yeah. You know, um, I, I think that's real important in, um, in this industry. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I guess that's my advice on it. I mean, it's kind of what I did and it ended up working out for me, what? you know. Yeah. And I mean, it's a common, it's a common trend too, with, you know, you, you are willing to do whatever you needed to do to do it. And even if it didn't work out, I still feel like you'd be doing something in this capacity anyway, whether you were doing it full time or not, you would still be doing something in the music industry. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. So those are the two characteristics that I always like to see. And I I hate to sound redundant when I ask that question, but I I just like to drive that point home for people that are thinking about it. It's just get out and do it. If it's what you want to do, have that attitude about it. Just make sure that's what you want to do and, you know, go for it every day. 
not just once a week, twice a week, every day, just keep pushing for that goal. But the cool thing is to touch on your point about relationships, this is the best time in the world in history to build those relationships. You don't even have to leave your house to build you know, a somewhat of a working acquaintanceship with somebody these days utilizing social media, you know, like, for instance, you know, me, I, I could have, I could have organically found some of your pedals online, maybe bought a few. And now I can directly message you and say, Hey, man, I really like this. What do you do about this? Oh, you make custom pedals. This would be really cool if we did this, this and this, what do you think? And next thing you know, we're having a conversation about building a pedal. Or I come across you on the production side, and I'm like, hey, my friend told me about you. I looked at your stuff online. You do really good work with bands. I have a band that I want to come work with you. Now we're in person together now. You know, it's the, the gatekeeping of the past, and maybe you can speak to that too, doesn't seem as prevalent these days. Um, yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, I, I never really experienced too much gatekeeping like a, on a wide scale it, it would occur with with, with sure. some <laughs> I, I just thought of one great example but i'm not going to say it certain genres of music um would the people would act that way okay that's all i'll say about it gotcha but, but by and large um you know it uh it has gotten better it and you know as far as like the the pedal community I mean, I've only been doing this, you know, for three years or whatever. I've never experienced any gatekeeping at all. No, you know? no. It's uh, uh, it, it just I'm sure it happens somewhere, but but I've never seen it, you know, and, and I'm going to talk to a ton of people. But everybody I've contacted and talked about, whether I have a question of how they do something or, uh, you know, I, I think I just sent a guy a, a message that said, your pedals are cool. I, I like what they are, you know, and it started this conversation. And, and you know, it's like six months later and you're still DMing back and forth. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, and, and that's, I, I think the the fear of gatekeep, gatekeeping probably holds a lot of people. It, now, you know what, it actually it held me back because I was like, oh, this guy's going to, you know, uh, be a jerk. He's going to make fun of me or whatever. But, it couldn't have been farther from the truth, you know. It, it's uh, it's just reach out, you know, and and um, like so many opportunities have I've gotten. Like you were talking about, you know, if somebody on the pedal side introduced them to somebody in the production side, and kind of everything working together. It's um, you know, that happened with uh, the premier premier guitar stuff I got asked to do. Um, it was just like kind of a random one-off of some guy I'd worked with a bunch ended up being the editor Yeah, and he hit me up, you know, it was just like things like that. And it's, it's because, uh, you know, I was, I was friendly to him. Uh, I did good work for him and, and, uh, anytime he needed something, I said, yes, yeah. you know, yeah. and uh, it, it all comes back around. Yeah. Well, and to, to your point of, of, you know, especially in the pedal community, it's, it's the funniest competition because everybody talks to, 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 to their competition, so to speak. There's not really a competition. You know what I mean? It, it's a, yeah. hey, I'm having some trouble with this. Oh, well, I did X, Y, and Z to fix this issue with this specific pedal. You should try that. Like, there's nothing, like, behind the curtain anywhere. You know what I mean? Now they might not give you yeah. exact specifications of of certain things, but on the whole, they're going to give you as much information as you can possibly ask for. You know, and it's. Well, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, the funny thing I was going to say, you know, with guitar pedals, it's one of those things where everything pretty much has been done. Sure. And uh, you know, there's only so many ways you can distort the signal or use this chip, and uh, you know, so people like kind of holding back if you dig long enough and deep enough on the internet you'll find the answer to your question yeah. it's just in some obscure place where only this other person looked to you know that's how they know how to do it. it i mean there is trial and error too but um but yeah it's all it's all out there yeah definitely um yeah that's all i got on that i kind of oh, lost my good. train of thought <laughs> no well and, and to your to your other point about like you know the community of people and and especially the music industry and how there's not really a whole lot of jerks there definitely are a handful 
But the other thing that like people need to look out, you're looking at it from the outside perspective. This this industry of people and this it, it, it's such a niche group of people that actually do something for a living with music. There's not very many people that actually get that opportunity to do that. And most of the people that are, are some of the coolest people you're ever going to meet because they had to work really hard. They, they didn't forget where they came from. They remember those days of, like you said, you know, sitting in the studio, just getting yelled at for, you know, destroying whatever mix you were doing at the time or whatever, you know what I mean? And that that's the biggest thing. And people that are in that industry have the utmost respect for the people that are coming up because they remember how hard it was to get to that next level. You know, the, the working your normal nine to five on top of doing whatever it else you are doing for another 40, 50 hours a week. So, you know, you're, you're working, you know, two or three jobs on top of trying to get this passion project off the ground, whatever it may be, whether it's a band, a podcast, a pedal company, uh, working for studios, whatever, they, they, they all understand how hard that, that shift and that leap was to get to that point. Absolutely. You know, the one thing I would say is um, it's been my experience um, that that you may have to work with people that are jerks sometimes. Sure. It's just there's some people that are unpleasant to be around. But the thing that I found happened with those people is they wouldn't end up sticking around because they would be a jerk to yep. everybody. No one would want to work with them and they'd be gone, you know. And I remember one one project specifically working on it and. I was like, man, this is just awful. And I'm like, well, this guy's not going to be here in six months, most likely, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, I'll just get through it. I get to keep on doing this, you know? And, um, and you know, the other thing, at least in, in Nashville, um, the music community is really, it's a big community, but it's small. Yeah. You know, it, it's real tight knit. And, uh, you know, it's probably like three degrees of separation bef between every musician in Nashville. So, you know, if... If you aren't pleasant to work with, it, it'll it'll probably make it around at some point, you know. Um, so it's just, man, just just treat people nice, you know. Yeah, that's all you got to do, and uh, you know, we should have more of that. Yeah, we you should. It, it doesn't cost you anything to be nice to anybody, you know. That's the biggest thing, and I I've already started to notice that. Um, I've I'm I'm up in Clarksville actually, so just about forty five minutes north of Nashville. Um, and going down and doing some lunchtime gigs with guys and not really anything too serious, just kind of hanging out. But it's the same thing. You know, it, it starts to spread. They, oh, hey, I hung out with this guy that, you know, filled in for a fly gig for me real quick or whatever for a lunchtime thing. Super cool guy. You should hit him up if you ever need a guitar player or bass player. Next thing you know, you're, you're getting hit up all the time from people that are just like, hey, if you're available, I got this gig. Hey, if you're available, I got this gig. You know, and like you said earlier to your point, Try not to say no to those gigs because you never know what opportunities are going to happen beyond that next gig. You know, that next gig, like you said, three degrees of separation, you could be, you know, working with somebody that you never even imagined you'd talk to. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. There was there was one artist. He's probably the most talented guy I've ever worked with, but um his name's John Davis, and he was in that band Super Drag in the '90s. Okay, yeah. Um, and and he's got a new project, and and uh, it was like a two degrees, let's see, three degrees of separation thing. I I had put an ad on Craigslist looking for an intern. That guy showed up, got to be a really good friend of mine, worked at the studio. He's still a buddy to this day. He introduced me to one of his buddies in a rock band that I recorded. Um, the other guy in the rock band was the old bass player from super drag. And then finally it got back to John and, uh, he like called me out of the blue and said, Hey, why don't we record something? You know? And it, it all led back to that one Craigslist ad, you know, like, like six years before, like some, some kind of weird, weird twist. But you know, it, it was just cause, uh, I got along with everybody along the way, you know, and that opened up this opportunity opportunity that I wouldn't have had in, in, in most situations. Yeah. Well, um, I, I don't ever try to like, you know, toot my own horn or anything, but I'm telling, I I've tried to explain this to a few of my friends and a few people that have reached out online, the just doing it part. I mean, if you look at it at face value, 
so I a while back, uh, right before the new year, I got to go hang out with Brian uh, Wampler at his house. That all started from me just getting back into gear and picking up a Wampler pedal about three years before that. That's the, and that's the only reason, because in buying that pedal, I found out more about them, found out they had a podcast, started listening to the podcast, started buying more Wampler stuff, started posting it online. Next thing you know, I bug him enough, and I'm at his house. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, it, it just goes... And it goes back to, to just doing that first thing. And, uh, you know, I would think of that maybe like a job opportunity or something that, that you're, you're scared about taking. You know, if you never take that opportunity, it's not going to lead to any of the other forks in the road along the way. Yep. Um, you know, and that goes back to don't say no to anything. Yeah. You know, because you never know where, where it may end up. And, and uh, if, you're, if you're helpful and kind to people and you work really hard usually good things are going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's more of the, um, like you said, always being nice, but be, but being consistent, you know, consistently putting yourself out there. And it's even e- like to go back to what I said earlier, it's even easier to do that today. You know, you don't have to be, if you're in the Nashville area, you don't have to be gigging, you know, four nights a week to get yourself out there, you know, on top of working a normal job, you know, you, you, you can just utilize social media, be consistent and honest about what you're putting out there. And like you said, you never know what's going to happen there. And you could be in the middle of nowhere doing that. You don't even have to be in a music city to be noticed these days. You know, I mean, it helps to be actually present, but you don't have to necessarily. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's there's tons of opportunities out, out there that, um, you know, have kind of been created the way the the tech side of things has turned out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just, and the other thing too, like, like, uh, you know, finding, I don't know if I'm going to say this right, like, like finding a new way to solve a problem, you know, that that maybe other people would go about it in one way, developing something on your own that works for you. And, uh, you know, that'll lead to, to other things. I guess. I don't know. That was kind of a weird thought. Well, but, no, uh, no. Um, you know, uh, here's what it is. It, it's think outside the box. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and don't be afraid to think outside the box, right? Because there's, a, there, okay, a, a good example of this. I have a friend that wants to start doing um, pedal demos, gear demos on YouTube, right? And he's just of the mindset right now that, oh, it's oversaturated. I can't, you know, no one's going to pay attention to me. Everybody's covered this X, Y, and Z pedal or this amp or whatever. And I said, yeah, but you have it your perspective is going to be different than all of these other people playing that piece of gear. And on top of that, like you alluded to earlier, your playing is not going to be like anybody else that's going to be playing that piece of gear. So yeah, it might seem oversaturated, but if you don't, if you don't know what it's going to do and you don't do it, you're never going to find out, man. You know? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Well, I think I think that goes back. I'm thinking. No, no, you're good. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, I think that goes back with anything in the music industry, though. You know, it, it, it's, it, it might seem oversaturated to a point, but until you get out there and try, you're never... I mean, I mean, if you don't get out there and try, you know exactly what's going to happen. Nothing's going to change. You're going to be doing exactly what you're doing right now. But if you get out there and try, like you said, fail a little bit, learn from those mistakes, fix those mistakes, try to do better, and constantly be a cool person and a nice person to hang out with, a little bit of tenacity, man, you're going to make it. And, and, and I, what I mean by make it, I don't mean, you know, like superstardom success or whatever the idea is these days, but you're going to be able to do that for your job. You know, the one thing I would say about the, the pedal industry is... Um, there are a lot of obscure things that have been made over the years that that aren't copied on the level of a clone or a tube screamer or sure. you know any of those pedals. And if you can, um, you know, you, you can dig through. I got into this thing where um, there was a company named Big Jam in the '80s. I think they were a subdivision of Multibox, and they made all these these okay. killer pedals that that I had never seen anywhere. And the um, schematics ended up somewhere floating around and 
man, they're just really cool, you know? And nobody had thought to, to, to try something that like that and look at it because it was this cheap plastic pedal from the 80s that was around for, I don't know, maybe five years, mm-hmm. you know? So uh, there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot more beyond the surface level of the pedal world, um, you know, and uh, and just by doing it, you, you, you can experiment, you know. Um, yeah, it's a, you know, it's just a, uh, there's a ton of stuff you can do within there and and be innovative, you know, and, yeah. and not have to kind of, you know, put yourself inside a box. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's the biggest thing that people look for anyway when they're looking at new, you know, creatives out there. They they want to see something that you're doing. They don't care what everybody else has been doing. They want to see your take on it or your expression of how, you know, this piece of music will make you feel in a, you know, a mix. They want to know what you want to do, you know. Now, granted, that's not always the case with especially in the in a recording sense, you know, if you're there to do a job and and make it for the artist, but you know, you know, it, creatives in general People want to see what your perspective of things are. Well, you know, the, the thing I'd say about that, and this is just, I don't know, kind of speaking broadly about music, but, um, you know, if you're the person that goes out and copies the popular thing at the time, you're never going to be as successful as that very first person that, that did the thing that kind of set the mold for everything. You know, where like the the, you know, I don't know if, Big success is the right word, but it's doing something innovative that hadn't done before that creates the trend of everything else going on. You know, and if you're right. out there, you know, doing what everybody else is doing, you know, you may do fine. But if you're looking for like that kind of next level thing, it, it's being innovative and uh, doing something that that hasn't been done before, or at least hadn't been done in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all this stuff kind of goes in cycles, but, um, you know, that's. That's what I always always tell my students, man, you know, because I'll teach them about studio recording and, uh, you know, there's like no rules in it. Right. Make sure, you know, I'm showing them how to mic things up. I'm like, these are just guidelines. You know, if you really, really want to be successful and do something cool, figure out a different way to do it, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's not wrong. There's no wrong or right. It's, uh, you know, you can do anything you want. So figure out a new way to do it. Yeah. Well, and that's the coolest part about this you know, creative world that we live in of music and gear. You know what I mean? There, like you just said, there's no wrong way to do anything really. You know, you, you get on these crazy forums and you got ding dongs on the internet that are telling you specific pedal orders and this is how it's going to mess up. If you put something a different way, it's like, man, come on this stuff. Are we really sitting here arguing about, you know, boxes and which order they go in here, man, if it sounds cool to the person using it and they're getting cool textures, dude, let them do it. Let them get it. If they want to put that wah behind, you know, a fuzz, just let them do it. You know, it's going to give them something different than what most people would expect anyway. You know? Absolutely. You know, uh, you know, find what sounds good to you and, and stick with it, you know, no matter what people say. Um, so, uh, you know, just, uh, just, do what you want and be confident in that, you know, and because you know what you like. Yeah. Just figure that out. Stand by your guns. And, and uh, you know, it, it's there's no wrong or right. And it's a subjective thing. So so do what you want. Absolutely. You know, and that's that's one of those things. Usually when I, you know, kind of get to the end of the episode, I, I try to like to talk about like words of wisdom. But I think you've been spitting words of wisdom this entire episode, man. So I appreciate that. Yeah, I don't know about that. I'm just uh, relaying my experiences, and I've I've had uh, I've made tons of mistakes, and I've had several failures. But um, you know, I learned from every single one of them, and and uh, hopefully, I, I won't repeat those same things again. But it, uh, you know, I'm a happy person. There you I, go. I got to where I'm. Uh, you know, I just like what I'm doing. You know. Um, I enjoy doing it. I have a good life and uh it just took a lot of a lot of work and a little lot of trial and error to uh to get to this point. 
For sure. And I mean, everything that's worth doing is going to get to that point. You know what I mean? Everything that, that you're going to be passionate about and happy with on a daily basis is going to, it's going to take that work and that, that courage to take the leap, to not take that safe road. You know what I mean? To get that normal nine to five that you got a guaranteed paycheck, you know, that's the, the passion and love for it is that's, what's going to push you through those moments. Absolutely. You get, you got to have faith in yourself. You yeah, know? for sure. Absolutely. So what's on the horizon with you guys as far as monkey riot pedals or just you in general? Um, well, it's, uh, I hooked up with this other guy in town that makes microphones, stage or microphones. Um, and I helped oh, cool. him with, yeah, he, he's, uh, he's like a mad scientist guy. He's got this great, you know, kind of place and he makes the, the pedals, but they're all handmade from beginning to end. It's ribbon microphones, so he's winding transformers, you know, building everything from scratch. But uh, I had helped him with um, some electronic thing, and we just started talking. And uh, he's got, like, all the tools that I lack to um, to be able to produce more stuff at scale. Nice. So uh, I think we're going to do, do a run of pedals, and what I've been doing the last two or three weeks is designing the PCBs and just got some back last week. So I'm building them out to see if, you know, if my layouts were correct. Cool. Um, you know, so that, that's kind of the next thing. I don't know how fast it'll go. I'd love to have something going in a couple months. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just kind of something that opened up through another one of those chance meetings. Right. You know? Right. And it, it was, it was, I'll tell a story really quick. No, you're fine. It was, it was, a. Uh, I did that Premier Guitar article on microphones, and I really wanted to feature local builders, mm-hmm. you know, people local to the Nashville area. So I'd, I'd hit up Matt, and he was like, yeah, man, he brought a couple of microphones out and uh, shot some photos on them and tried them out. And that's when we met and we started talking. You know, and it was like half an hour later. It's like, oh, wait, you're doing this and you're doing this. And I was over at his house three weeks later, you know, using his laser etching machine to, to do pedals, you know. So it's, uh, you know, another one of those examples of, uh, you know, of, you know, getting along with the right people. Yep. You know, for sure. Well, and before we wrap this up, let's get your plugs out of the way, too. Where can everybody find you at? You can find me on Instagram, Instagram, uh, at Monkey Riot Pedals. Uh, I have monkeyriotpedals.com. And those are the two primary places. I, you know, I have the, the Facebook thing, but um, I don't use it that often. Gotcha. So if you want to track me down, you can go, go to the monkeyriotpedals.com website my email is monkeyriotpedals at gmail.com but instagram i'm really active on there um you know kind of posting new in progress things and and trying to keep it silly and and fun so yeah that's where you can find me absolutely awesome well i'll have all that in the show notes down below too so if you guys don't want to have to type anything out you can just go to the show notes and then you can click right there but hey mike i had a preach i had a great time dude i appreciate you coming on yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, I, I was happy to do it. All right. Well, I appreciate it once again. But for Mike, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up, and we will get, check you guys next week on Man the Helm Podcasts.